Do you ever wonder if God exists or if God cares anything about you? If God is like some entity that created the universe, set it in motion, and then walked away? Do you ever have those questions? And as maybe you're going looking for answers, trying to figure out, when we comb through the Bible, when we see those stories that where, where it's like God shows up, in amazing ways, in big, bold ways. And we're like, God's never shown up like that for me. Why? Like, am I not worthy? Am I not loved? Where is God? How do I experience God? And that question of how do you experience God right here, right now, is what we're going to get into today. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 17, where it's Jesus. He's teaching the disciples. In chapter 16, he was having a conversation with the Pharisees. But in chapter 17, the disciples have heard that conversation with the Pharisees. And the disciples are like, we don't have that issue, Jesus. We've chosen to follow you. We, we've chosen not to go down that particular path. That's not our struggle. All of us have struggles. And they are all different. What is a struggle for one may not be for another. And so the disciples are asking questions of Jesus, trying to kind of get at him of going, how do we experience God if we're already on the path of saying, no, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your way of living. How does God show up for us? And so today, as we get into this story, to begin to think about it in terms of ourselves, of how do we experience God in the everyday, everyday kind of moments all around. So beginning in Luke 17, verses 3 through 4. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins, warn them to stop. If they change their hearts and lives, forgive them. Even if someone sins against you seven times in one day and returns to you seven times and says, I am changing my ways, you must forgive that person. Whoo, that word forgiveness, right? Forgive, that can, that can be kind of challenging. And sometimes maybe we struggle more with forgiving ourselves than forgiving someone else. Or maybe we've had a situation where it is so complex, and we discussed this before, that forgiveness, depending upon the context, begins to look a little bit different. And as it takes something different, it requires something in every situation of ourselves and requires us to discern what forgiveness looks like. And sometimes forgiveness is so complicated. It's so hard. It's of a particular way that we just have to give it over to God, that we just can't do it anymore. But to think about what Jesus is saying here to his disciples who are trying to figure out, okay, how does God show up? How do we experience God? And he's like, how are you practicing forgiveness? Practicing forgiveness with others, with yourself? How are you daily practicing forgiveness? And that is nothing easy. Jesus is not telling them something simple to do. Because it's easy to forgive when it's not a big deal. It's easy to forgive when, but what about in those really hard moments? 
What are the things you need to forgive yourself of today? How do you practice forgiveness every single day, no matter where you are? And to begin to think about that as being connected to a way of experiencing God. Because God always forgives. God is forgiving. We have plenty of stories throughout the Hebrew scriptures and throughout the New Testament where it's very clear God is constantly forgiving. And so how do we begin to practice that? Not to say we're going to be great at it, we're going to be perfect at it, but how do we begin to practice? And the disciples had the exact same question. The apostle said to the Lord, increase your faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. The verses five through six here, immediately the disciples respond with increase our faith. Like, okay, if you're wanting us to practice forgiveness, we're gonna need more, we're gonna need bigger. And so often the interpretation of these verses of following forgiveness are, well, if you'll just increase our faith, and Jesus responding with the mustard seed, and in other places, the mustard seed grows into a big bush. And so often this interpretation is it can be so small and be so much bigger. It can actually grow bigger. But notice here, there's something kind of odd. And we need to slow up here with Jesus' response. Because he said, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Okay, so are you saying something impossible would become possible with faith? Also another common interpretation. Or is this a warning? Think about that. You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. If a mulberry tree were planted in the sea, it would die. Think about that. It would be destroyed. Mulberry trees are meant to be on land. It would not survive. And so sometimes when we are so much after bigger, better, and we have to do it exactly right, we have to do it exactly this way, that we begin to choke the life out of things. That as the disciples are like, increase our faith, we need bigger is better. And Jesus is like, mm, not necessarily, it can be destructive. This is a warning. Because the disciples are getting like, okay, right action. Like we have to get the right action, which can lead to self-righteousness. Like I've got it all together. I've got it all figured out, which also leads to if we think we have got it all together, it is easy for us to slip into being judgmental of others, which is not forgiving it is not grace-filled, and it is not loving. And so here, Jesus actually seems to be giving them a warning that if they're wanting bigger, better, more of, that what they're asking for is to be focused upon the wrong thing, that they need to be focused upon forgiveness. They need to be focused upon grace, mercy, and love. But they're getting focused on right action. And so a warning to be very careful with that, very careful of going down that path. And for us, it may be something a little bit different, that when we begin to focus down so hard on something, maybe it's uh, actually on the other end, maybe we focus so hard on the speed limit, are we breaking the speed limit? I'm not breaking the speed limit, 
But that doesn't mean that I am being a cautious, good driver with others if we're only focused on that one aspect. So in your own life, when you're thinking about that, you get so focused on doing something perfectly right in one action that you actually push aside grace and mercy, that you push aside forgiveness for yourself and for others. Because there's something here about experiencing God when we begin to focus ourselves in ways like Jesus is talking about. Like Jesus is trying to teach them to get to think about, like think about forgiveness, think about mercy, think about love. Continuing on in verses 7 through 10. Would any of you say to your servant who had just come in from the field after plowing or tending sheep, come, sit down for dinner. Wouldn't you say instead, fix my dinner, put on the clothes of a table, put uh, of a table servant and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you can eat and drink. You won't think the servant because the servant did what you asked, will you? In the same way, when you have done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. All right, so this gets a little kind of like weird. And Jesus goes into using an example that doesn't make a lot of sense for us today. It would have made much more sense to the disciples in the moment uh, because of having servants waiting on them. And there were particular duties of the servant. And here it almost sounds like Jesus is going into what's the bare minimum requirement what you know what, what do we, what do you have to do what are your expectations and so often we put expectations upon god of what god requires of us and it's really important for us to remember that nothing that we do can earn god's love can earn god's forgiveness can earn god's grace that is freely given and so when we screw up, when we are imperfect, when we leave space, like in the previous passage about the mulberry tree, the previous verses, when we leave room for God to guide us because we don't have it all figured out, that's when things begin to increase. Not when we keep looking at what's the bare minimum that I've got to get done. What's that action that will unlock everything? But here, Jesus is really trying to focus them on a new way of thinking and living. Because so often, if you're talking to people who say, I've experienced God, we experience God in our imperfections. We experience God when we don't have things figured out, when we're not so focused on getting just by. What is just our duty? Instead, when we begin to get focused on the grace and mercy and forgiveness, all of a sudden, it takes us far beyond a bare minimum of what is our duty, but instead opens us up to new possibilities. And so as we're thinking about that, of thinking about how we experience God in kind of our everyday, do we actually leave room? in the everyday imperfect moments, in our regular everyday kind of work, as the servant is preparing dinner, as the servant is there tending to the things that need to be done, have we left room for noticing God or are we expecting something 
big? Are we expecting something monumental? And now Jesus is going to transition from the things that he is teaching to the disciples to living out what he has just said. All right, beginning in Luke 11, verses 14. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. As they left, they were cleansed. All right, so Jesus is traveling. It's his everyday kind of work. He probably is being followed by all of the disciples. Okay, so they have heard him talk, right? They have heard his teaching where it's like, hey, what are you getting focused on? Because if you're wanting to experience God, if you're wanting to be able to experience forgiveness in your life and everyone else's, which is experiencing God, what are the things that you're holding on to? And here he's got to live it. When these 10 men come and they are in need of healing, they've got some kind of skin disease. And so they're asking for a physical healing, but they're asking for something else. Because in the ancient world in this time, if there was a skin disease, they, would, they could not be part of the community. They had to live separately. Their relationships were strained, maybe even destroyed. And so they are asking a couple of things here. They are asking for a physical healing, but they're also asking to be healed with their community. And for us to think about that, about how healing plays a part in our lives, and it's not just physical. In fact, it looks many different ways. We are in need of healing in a multitude of ways. People around us are in need of healing in a multitude of ways. And here Jesus is showing us something about it, that God's presence can be healing. That God's presence can be healing in ways that we think we need it, we want it, like with the skin disease, and then the healing presence can also do things that maybe we didn't expect. The healing of relationships, the healing of being part of a community. And here Jesus is beginning to show us how to live into experiencing God. That when we get focused on forgiveness, Think about the healing properties of forgiveness, the healing properties of forgiveness for ourselves and for others. Think about when we get focused upon grace and love, when we get focused upon things that aren't so rigid or I've got it all together or I have to have it all together of how healing that begins to be. And when we have and find healing in our lives that is connected to love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, when we are finding and experiencing that kind of healing in our lives, we are experiencing God in these small little ways. The disciples wanted big, they wanted fireworks, but here Jesus is like, he's just present, he's just listening, and that in and of itself is also healing. That he doesn't dismiss this group of people, and he says, no, go present yourself to the priest, which was so that they could become part of the community once again, and they were healed. And to think about that, that in our everyday little moments where maybe we've extended forgiveness, where we've extended healing, we not only 
are having a moment of experiencing God for ourselves, but we are creating that moment for someone else, that someone else gets to experience a little bit of God in their lives. Continuing on in verses 15 through 19. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned and praised God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The deal with the Samaritans and the Jews, they're cousins. It's like different denominations. They have different ways of understanding their Judaism. And Samaritans and Jews have issues with each other because they don't think that they're actually following the way of God, right? They're getting too focused, a little too self-righteous. And here the Samaritan realizes, realizes that he has been healed and he turns around and he goes back to Jesus with a thankful heart. He has been filled with gratitude. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This moment of gratitude, and think about that for yourself. When you have a moment of feeling grateful, when it like kind of wells up in you, when you feel that thanksgiving, when you feel thankful for something, it's a recognition, even though we don't usually speak of it this way, it's a recognition of experiencing God. It's a recognition of experiencing love, which is of God. It's a recognition of experiencing grace and healing, which is of God. It's a moment of recognizing whether we can verbalize it or not, whether it is subconscious or not. When we feel that gratitude and thanksgiving, it's like our whole being is all of a sudden recognizing we've just experienced a little bit of God. And so what would it mean every time you begin to feel thankful for something, you feel that gratitude, you get that sense, you go, wait a minute, I'm experiencing a little bit of God. Where is that? That we begin to recognize those small little moments of thanksgiving as moments of experiencing God. That it's far beyond the, the big, miraculous, kind of over-the-top moments that we sometimes read about. But instead, it's in the little, tiny moments every single day. And that's because God's presence is with us, which we're going to get with verses 20 through 21. The Pharisees, so now the Pharisees have shown back up. The Pharisees asked Jesus when God's kingdom was coming. He replied, God's kingdom isn't coming with signs that are easily noticed, nor will people say, look, here it is, or, or there it is. Don't you see? God's kingdom is already among you. God's kingdom is already among you. God's presence is already with you, in you, surrounding you, ever-present. But it's not going to come the way that you necessarily think about it. So often we want a big flashy sign that says, God, 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 right here, right now, this is what God's doing in big, bold ways. Sometimes we want God to show up like a genie in a bottle where we have all these wishes and wants and we're just like rubbing the bottle and we're like, come on, God, I need these three wishes and I'll believe if you exist, if those three wishes come true. And here Jesus is like, nope, God's already with you. 
You can experience God every day in the littlest moments, in the tiniest of ways, in the ways that you may deem even insignificant or just part of your job, part of your duty. And so Jesus is challenging them. Jesus is challenging us to not just sweep away and be like, you know what, I've never had that big moment. I don't know what that is. But instead to begin to notice God's presence in the small moments, in the moments that we get to be a part of. We may even get to cultivate because when we show, forget, when we practice forgiveness with others and ourselves, when we have love and we're showing that love, when we are all about extending mercy and experiencing grace, not just for ourselves, but for others, creating that opportunity for others, not only do we get to experience God, but we get to share that with someone else. And so to think about that, that when we get focused on grace and love, when we get focused on forgiveness, when we get focused on being that healing presence of being able to listen, that we are creating moments, we are giving space to experiencing God for ourselves and helping others to experience God as well. And so that is our challenge this day. How will you notice right here and right now how God is showing up, how you get to experience God in those small moments, in those moments of love, in those healing moments? How are you going to cultivate those for others? How are you going to be part of this beautiful, this inspiring work that says all of us are in it together, all of us struggle all of us need forgiveness. All of us are in need of love. And so what do we get to do today? Not looking for the big signs, the big flashy things, the fireworks going off, or the genie in the bottle. But instead, not only how do we experience it in the small ways, but how do we get to cultivate that? How will we choose to cultivate that for others? Amen. Amen.